I am calling today's message the combo plate. The combo plate. Like when you go to Chinese, right? The combo plate. And uh, it stinks, man. Chinese foods, none of them are open. They're all takeout right now. Did anybody notice that? I don't get that. Yeah, it doesn't travel well. Um, The combo plate. Today, I think, is a seasonal message. Um, It it has some connection um, to to Thanksgiving. It has some overtones of Thanksgiving, but it also um, is is very um, appropriate for where we are right now as a church. I believe that we're really seeking and pushing forward um, in the things unseen, chasing after the power of God for the right reasons. And so this message is really important, I believe, for that. Uh, I'd say that it's a big boy teaching today. Not a lot of preaching. It's a little bit of a teaching today where you'll walk out of here hopefully a little bit more informed than you came in. And hopefully you'll take it and and contemplate it a little bit. It's going to require you, this message, to be flexible. I mentioned that last week, that it requires... Man, your spiritual growth has everything to do with your flexibility. Right? Your growth has everything to do with your flexibility, right? And to get over some of your, what, what my pastor used to say, stinking thinking, yeah. right? Some of us that are in church for a long time, some of us that have been saved a long time, we've, we've adopted principles, teachings, things that we've heard from our grandmothers or uh, other pastors, and, and I know that sounds very critical. If it's not founded in the word of God, it's stinking thinking. I can say this, I, I ran into somebody this week that, I haven't talked to in a long time, actually very, very minimal in the last three years that I've known her. And I just had it in my mind. She hated me. And so anytime I was around her, I just was like, I need to like not say anything because she just wants to shoot me, okay? And, and I ended up having to speak with her this week, right? And when I did, I totally had the wrong perspective. She actually was more than agreeable and more than fun to hang out with. I had thinking in my mind. I had a mindset that was wrong. That's the reason why Romans chapter 12, verse 2, right, where it talks about, hey, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind that only comes through the word of God. You can turn on your TV. You can look at your Twitter feed. You can call your mom and your dad, and you can get a lot of things in an everyday basis that isn't true. I'm not saying moms and dads aren't true. I'm saying this, that there are people in your life where right now information is easily accessible. But the truth of God's word, I encourage you, that needs to be the thing that you, um, it is unchanging. It is the thing that you make your decisions off of. Amen? So I want to start out in Acts chapter 4. Again, I apologize for my voice and if I have to pause to get a drink. Sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. We're going to omit two verses in it just because of, um, for various reasons, so I don't have to teach it. But I want to show you this out of Acts 4. It says this, on their release, Peter and John, on their release from prison. On their release from prison, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So I want to make sure that everybody understands the setting. Peter and John, street preachers, this is after the Holy Spirit had been deposited on the earth. The thing that the Lord had promised had been deposited on the earth. It came in the form of, of, of power, of shaking, of tongues, of tongues of fire, visible, all these different things, right, that we see in this. So then Peter and John start preaching. They get put into prison. Here we go, after their release. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. Everybody say together. That's why we prayed what we prayed together a few minutes ago as intercessors for our family, right? When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Look what they pray. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats towards us and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So they prayed right there, hey, Lord, would you increase our boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit that we've just experienced for the first time? It says, now in verse 30, stretch out your hand. This is a heart's cry from them. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed together, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Can you imagine if we prayed and all of a sudden things shook in here? Would anybody tell anybody? I hope you would. Although we might be shut down, right? But if we pray and the place is physically shook, how many of you would say that's supernatural? So after they prayed, the place was shook, and I like this. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Jay, I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit just a little bit ago. Yeah, that's true. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be a daily, as we talked about, hourly thing. It's supposed to be something that you're asking, and it is absolutely given to you. If when you asked to be filled by the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So two things to start this out today. Um, the book of, <clears throat> sorry, the book of Acts cannot be looked at as historical, only historical. It is a, a biography. It is a, a, an account of the new church um, and what happened in the new church world. Um, but there is so much more. Remember, it was written by Dr. Luke. So the things that he wrote and the things that he didn't wrote, he wrote with intention. The purpose of us reading Acts is not just to look at it as if we're reading an account of um, the, um, the, the, the Revolutionary War. The reason that this was written was to inspire generations after that have chosen Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Meaning this, when you read the book of Acts, you need to know that actually you and me are living in the book of Acts right now. I believe the book of Acts never ends. I believe as 21st century believers, we are partaking in the book of Acts. So when you see this idea, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 44, which we've read many times in this church, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. When we look at that and we say, oh, they had everything in common, how nice. Wow, that's really cool. 
No, 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 no. That's actually not the way we're supposed to look at it. We are supposed to be inspired. We are supposed to be um, governed, I believe, by looking at this and saying, yeah, not, it was not only for then, it's for now. That is the reason why we call this the shelter. Because you are here either receiving shelter or you are what? Providing shelter. That, that's what I believe the design of the new church or the church right now is supposed to be. To, ha- to be a place devoted to fellowship, to prayer, to the breaking of the bread, right? All these things, and these are things that we do. So the goal today of the teaching, I will say, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, guys. The goal of the, de- of the teaching today is for me to um, identify with you or, or to, to put out to you five things, five things that are spirit-infused attributes that I believe are a must for us right now for the gospel to continue. Five things that I believe are a must for the gospel to continue. Four of these you'll agree with immediately, I believe. One of them you probably will have a little bit of a pushback to. What I want to show you is that all of these things are needed. All of five of them are needed, though, for the gospel to continue here in our world today. I guess I could kind of put it similar to this. Um, any of you that have ever sat any, under any marriage counseling um, and come in for premarital with me, I, I propose just a simple um, idea of five foundations of marriage. These aren't mine. Um, these are not mine. These are somebody that taught me these, my pastor, Pastor Jim Cornwall, that came up with them. And what these five foundations of marriages are, are very, very simple. For us to have, I believe, for Christians to have solid marriages right now, these five pillars need to be constantly looked at, constantly reinforced, open communication, a view of money, spiritual unity, blendable family values, physical compatibility, meaning this, that these five things when, when, when I'm sitting with somebody and they're about ready to get married, a lot of times young people would come in and they want to get married and they just go, well, I love her. And he goes, yeah, I just can't wait till the wedding night, right? Right, and that's his mindset. And I'm going, we need to kind of take a pause and we need to start establishing the foundations properly. Because if one of these pillars is off, then the marriage, I believe, is shook. So what happens is, is, is so many um, in these pillars, they're comfortable in certain things and they'll put all the emphasis on that. That's not the concept at all, right? And that's not the concept for today. With these five things that I'm gonna propose to you um, in our walk with the Lord that must be attributes, spirit-infused attributes, we have to have balance in these. These things are a must for the word of God. Um, I'm sorry, not the word of God for the move of God to continue here on the earth through you. And so I want to, that's why I call this the combo plate. It can't be just one. It has to be all. Everybody following me? Okay. So, so um, l- l- let me start out then by saying you and me know why we are here. The, the, these next four or five scriptures, they're shown all the time in this church. Like, we understand the reason why we're still on the earth. Why Jesus says, hey, I don't pray to take them out. I pray, Lord, that you will be with them. There's a reason for you and me still on this planet. And and the scriptures look like this. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll go through these really quick. Matthew 5, you're the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that, excuse me, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's you and me as believers, right? Another one, Matthew 28, verse 19. Stay with me today, okay? Therefore, go and what? Create, make, duplicate yourselves. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Another one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 19. This to me is like one of the more powerful truths in all of Scripture. And all of this, all of this grace, and that's what Paul's talking beforehand, all of this grace is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, me, you, every single one of us, this task of reconciling people back to him. The task that you and I have been given on this earth, and we talk about it all the time, is not just to raise really nice little pretty families with white picket fences and be able to, you know, just go through our world and, and, and nothing happen. The idea and the purpose behind you and me as Christians is what? To be a minister. Point to yourself for a second. Come on. Point to yourself. Say this. I am a minister. Wait, I'm not qualified. No, I'm not qualified either. Truly. Okay, what I'm telling you, though, is you have been infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about what you have in knowledge up here. I'm talking about what you house in here. And so you have been given right, the task. It's an actual goal, the task of reconciling people to him for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is, not from, God, is from God, not from ourselves. So, so everybody's clear in here. We know our message. We know what we're supposed to do. And we, when, when we as Christians are focused and when we're equipped and we're centrally minded on this, the world has a lot of hope. And when we as Christians are divided, when we're drawn away by our own desires, the world is hopeless. You get that, right? This world comes to Jesus through you. Everybody with me? So we got to be careful. We got to be really, really careful what our day-to-day living looks like. What our day-to-day living looks like when no one else is watching. What we are showing by our talk and by our walk. Because what I believe many of us tend to do without even trying. It's nothing because of intentionality. I think a lot of us in reality are selling religion to our family and to our friends. Truly. I think we're selling this bill of goods that says this, man, you've got to dedicate yourself. You've got to discipline yourself and your effort is the way to heaven. That is not true at all. I think some of us are selling this, that there's a code of conduct to be a Christian that's more prioritized than the freedom of the spirit and the sensitivity of the spirit that's inside of you. 
I think that some of us are selling this, that what the outside looks like matters a lot more than what the inside looks like. I think some of us are selling this, that, that, that God must be part of the priorities of your life rather than the priority. I think some of us are selling this in religion, the idea that we can worship and praise God here and curse men who think differently of us outside. And so what happens is I think there's this confusion, right? Because somebody's going like this, oh, I don't want to be part of a club. I'm already part of Costco. They make me wear a mask. No, I'm kidding. All right, calm down, calm down, calm down, right? Calm down. I'm saying this. I don't want, I don't think there's another person that goes, you know what? I just want to be part of this exclusive club that I have to follow this rule after rule after rule. But when someone sees the power of the Holy Spirit lead you, sees you changed, sees your patience that is extra worldly, right? Sees your joy that is supernatural. That is the thing that they go, gosh, I want what he has. Everybody following me? This is super important. This is why I want to preach today the combo plate. Because there is not a single, man, I'm struggling here. There is not a single solitary place in the book of Acts or in the New Testament that says this, promote religion. Not one. Promote a relationship. A relationship has all kinds. You know what a relationship is? Unpredictable. It can't be controlled. So, so this is why, yes, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit being like a, a wind and you hold. You house that Holy Spirit. Instead, I believe what we see in the book of Acts, and you're going to see it a little bit more, is that these believers were so filled by the Spirit that their every single action was inspired, was driven, was fueled by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to get to these five points in just a second. But what I want to ask you is this. Are you? Are your critical everyday choices fueled by your relationship with Jesus. Your critical everyday decisions or by religion that you can pick up when you want to. Are your critical decisions at work, listen, critical decisions fueled by a relationship with Jesus Christ? I, 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 what do you mean with that? I, I just, I, I've had so much, just, you know, that's what's cool about discipleship. You get in with somebody and you start talking about the nitty gritty Hey, man, you know, this is what my boss has asked me to do. It's anti-God, and he's asked me to fudge numbers. What do you think I should do, Pastor? You, as a believer, have to choose righteousness and trust the Lord for your daily work. Well, what if I get fired? Then God will provide another job. But the minute that you make critical decisions based off of religion that you can pick up and whoop, and then you can take away when you want to. I can tell you this. There is not a person that is not saved that looks at that and goes, man, I want to be like that. So critical decisions in your marriage, critical decisions in your finances, in your church, in your friendships, and what you do on vacation, are they fueled by your relationship with Jesus Christ? This is why this is called the combo plate. This is why that, that, that I'm trying to propose to you that there are five things that we have to actually look at me, guys, be obsessive about. These five things that I believe that the Holy Spirit needs to absolutely come out of us in all the time. And I want to make you aware of them so that you might can check yourself today. Okay? Especially the last one. We're going to fly through the first four, um, and then uh, we'll evaluate the missing ingredient, I believe, 
a lot. The first one is this, that you'll be gospel ready. Say gospel ready. How many of you right now are gospel ready? I told you this is a teaching. This is not a preaching where you're going to walk out of here and get a pat on the back. Today is a teaching to equip you guys. Everybody okay? Right? Sometimes a pastor needs to teach. Yes? Okay. So, so here's the thing. I want to know, are you gospel ready? Meaning this, could you right now, by the word of God, by the word of God, lead someone to Jesus Christ? Could you lead somebody? One of these things that you see throughout the whole entire books of Acts is that they what? They spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. I don't know if there are people in this room, if we are equipped to actually be able to share the word of God, the experience of salvation with someone, if they asked. And let me tell you something. Nothing looks worse. That's why Peter says, hey, listen, make sure that you were always ready to give a defense for why you believe what you believe. So let me, let, me, let me just show you this in Romans chapter 3. Some of you have known this since we've been little kids, right? We, we, we call this the Romans road, where you can look at somebody and say, hey, listen, this is what the word of God says. By the way, the word of God is the most powerful force on the earth, I believe. Why? Because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it comes alive when we say it. Well, can't we just paraphrase this? No. Actually, it's dangerous when you start doing that. Pastor, why do you put so many scriptures in? Because I want you guys to know that scripture is the thing that changes you, not my opinions. Who cares about what I think? That's just a 40-year-old that wants to do good. Who cares? The Holy Spirit-inspired word of God is the thing that changes your life when you make yourself, watch, accountable to it. And so when you speak, are you gospel ready? Can you speak um, the gospel very simply in these scriptures right here? And these are just... Um, examples, can you speak this to somebody? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Look at this, the next one, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin, this is simple, you can tell somebody this, and when you speak this to them, I can tell you something. Something happens in them. It's called conviction. Did you bring conviction? No, the word of God brought conviction via what? The Holy Spirit. You're going to hear me say that a lot. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God, say gift, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the next one. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And then Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, if you declare with your mouth and Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Right there. Are you gospel ready? Do you know, do you know just this verse, John three sixteen. I had somebody ask me this week, hey, pastor, I was just wondering if I could teach my kids this, but is that too vanilla? I go, too vanilla? John 3, 16, it is our life. It's not something to be held up on a, on a, on a football game, right? It's something that what? We live, eat, and breathe, that our fundamental foundation of why we exist is caught up in this, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says this, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What God prepared in advance for us to do. My question to you is, are you prepared to lead someone to salvation boldly because you know scripture? Well, man, you're pushing on us today. 
I just thought I could just, just gently go through it. I'm going to tell you something that I have no explanation for. Um, I don't, I really don't. But I have seen it over and over in my life for 35 years. When the word of God is spoken from a believer's mouth, the actual word of God, it has the power to change the entire tone of the room. I don't have an explanation. There's no way I can teach that. I'm just telling you from an experience. You and me, the first pillar on all these things is that we have to be gospel ready. Look at this, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel is the thing that saves souls. Listen, worship doesn't save souls. Giving your money doesn't save souls. Miracles doesn't save souls. The gospel, someone's belief in the gospel, that is the thing that saves them. Look, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who what? So what you do is you speak the gospel and they get the opportunity to believe and that is the thing that brings them salvation. Everybody with me here? This is important, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says this, Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom, but we, we preach Christ crucified and risen. Okay. You gotta be gospel ready. It's the first one of the combo plate. That's the orange chicken, all right? <clears throat> I'm going to have some orange chicken for lunch. Right, babe? Yeah, I want that. I want that. <clears throat> the second. Second's really important. Number two, hospitality and love. Hospitality and love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. I love this. It's like my, my, one of my favorites. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Sounds like a Michael Jackson song, right? (laughs) Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I want you to understand something. This is not, right here, a lesson in morals. This right here is not, hey, let's make the world a better place. There's a psychologist that came around and he just figured out how everybody's supposed to get along. No, that's not what I'm presenting. In fact, I'm going to say something right here. Ethics and morals that are not centered on God's will can be done by anybody. By anybody. So to me, like, when we're talking about hospitality, some of you, just because of you, who you are, you're sitting there going, hey, we hospitality. Oh, that's important to you, Jay, because you like to cook. Shut up. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is this, is this is actually God-ordained. Intentional hospitality is not something that is just um, cooked up because it sounds nice. Let me show you where hospitality really comes from. You want to see Maybe if you don't, you're going to see, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, look at this, verse 11 through 13. Don't forget, this is, man, this is so important, so that you guys understand my heart. When I say this is the second pillar, it's not just making it up. 
constantly throughout the New Testament, we are said, we are encouraged to practice hospitality. This is why. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Don't forget it. In fact, if you look back in Leviticus, this is when it started, hospitality, about the idea that they were foreigners in Egypt and what God, what purchased them back, okay? You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jew who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. What are you trying to say? That's hospitality in its purest form. In its purest form, hospitality is this. When someone who is outside and has no food is brought inside, on the much bigger scale, you, me, at some point in our life, we're outside of fellowship with God and we are purchased by his blood to be what? Brought back into. Hospitality means something to the Lord. And when you do it, when you open up your home, when you open up your church, when you don't judge somebody walking in because they look different from you or believe different than you, instead you offer hospitality to them, what you're doing is you're doing what exactly what Jesus would do. And that is saying this, you don't have a place, now you do. Amen. Hospitality is not some moral yippity doo thing. It is something that comes from the very heart of God right here. Go to the far sides and get the people who don't look good. When you've done it to what? The least of these, you've done it to me. Well, where do we give water? When you did it to the least of these, that's hospitality. Hospitality must come from us. It's the second pillar. You've got to be asking yourself, how can I bring the most amount of people to an experience of hospitality and belonging by using my home, my money, my church? Got to. Number two. So now number three. I like this one. Number three is important. Integrity to your pain. Integrity to your pain. These are pillars, very much like the marriage thing. All of them have to be happening, spirit-infused. For what? The gospel to continue. For people to come to the faith. All of them. Not just one. You can't just, right? This is our responsibility, our task to bring them the, the message of reconciliation. We must be men and women of integrity. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 24, 26. Never even read this. I, I've read Proverbs so many times, just never saw it. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Like when I read that, I was like, well, that's so interesting because a kiss on the lips is different than a kiss on a cheek. It's a little bit rare doesn't happen all the time right that's it's so immature <laughs> it's really <laughs> an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips what does that mean it refreshes someone it shows intimacy this is something we are missing as christians titus 2, 7, and 8, never use the book of Titus. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. That's what it says on the back of this shirt. 
integrity, to your, to your pain. Good luck being a man or woman of integrity without the Holy Spirit. Good luck trying to be a man or woman of integrity by just grinding. Yeah. Not going to happen when the pressure happen, when comes. See, integrity looks not just like honesty, but watch, guys. It looks like, um, it looks like pure motives. Pure motives. Are you a man of your word, even when it hurts? I got to be honest with you, man. Some of the things that I witnessed between June and November, some of the stuff that I witnessed believers do, and they said they had an excuse for it. Christians don't have the right to put their expressions, how God has asked us to express to the side so that with an excuse attached to it. We have become good at making excuses for our decision-making because of what we would consider a greater good. You are to be men and women of integrity at all times to your, to your pain. Everybody with me? Yeah. It's real quiet in here. Even quiet for me in reflection of that because I'm good at making excuses. Okay? You have to guard your integrity, is what Proverbs talks about. You have to guard it. In fact, there's some of you that are in relationships right now. I believe there's some of you that, that you feel so frustrated because, um, because you're no longer given the benefit of the doubt. And I want to tell you the reason why. You may be a changed person, but integrity is something that you can't. Watch, guys. You can't get back. Once you lose it, once your yes is not a yes, but it becomes a no when the pressure hits, you don't get integrity back. Men and women in here, listen to me. The person in the cubicle next to you, you have a responsibility to be without blame in front of them, to live your life in such a way that there's never a time where they go, are they sincere? The reason why I'm coming after you on this is because it's a combo plate. You gotta know the gospel. You gotta be able to speak it. You gotta show hospitality. But then your integrity needs to be without fail to your pain. Sometimes you gotta just look at somebody and go, dude, I was wrong. You know it's okay for Christians to say I was wrong. We don't like to do that. That's sincerity. That's integrity. That makes the gospel go forward. Everybody with me? The fourth one is another one people like, man, doing pretty good. Fourth one. Forgiveness chosen and given. Uh-oh. Forgiveness needs to be something that's deliberate. Well, how about when they intentionally tried to hurt me? Well, how about when they did it over and over again? Well, how about when they casually did and they didn't know? Do I still have to forgive them? Yes. Have you ever tried to forgive someone on your own strength? It is hard. But, but I'll tell you this. 
When you take that bitterness, that pain, and you just go, Lord, this is your burden now. And you release that burden. There is a freedom for you to live, listen, in a future that's much different than staying there in the past, holding it against somebody for 20 years. See, as Christians, the fourth pillar is this, forgiveness chosen and offered. Well, does that mean that they didn't do something wrong, that you turn a blind eye? No. Does that mean that you're best friends with them again? No. Does that mean that there's not consequences for their choices? No, that is not it. But what it is, is internally in you, you have actually chosen forgiveness by the power of the Holy Spirit and offered it to them. Whoa. This is, this is deep. This is where we see that your righteousness must be greater than those of the, the Pharisees. If someone hits you, then you what? Turn the other cheek. I'm not doing that. And by, and by the way, we're joking. We, we laugh about that. But I'm just being very honest with you. It pauses the move of the Lord. Because Jesus is hanging on the cross and he goes like this. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, they did know what they were doing because they weren't apologizing. They didn't go, oh man, we were, hey, stop this. There's no account anywhere other than one Roman guard that goes, truly, that was the son of the Lord. That was after Jesus was dead. Up until that point, everybody's going, ha ha ha, you're the king, then throw yourself down. Hey, you want a drink? Here's some of this right here. And Jesus looks at them and goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's forgiveness that's been chosen and it's the thing that's been offered. See, every way, which way that the world would tell you to go, Christians are supposed to go the opposite way. You don't let, look, when we were growing up, I remember on the football field, you don't let anybody push you around. Now, on the football field, that's different, okay, Arisen, all right. No, but, but seriously, hey, if someone does something, you stand up. In this church, I've had people in the last couple years go, you know, pastor, you just let, you want me to be a doormat. I go, I don't want you to be a doormat. I want you to be a Christian. I want you to be something that shows a different way to life rather than this. Come on, come at me, boy. That's the fourth pillar. Okay, ready for the fifth? I'm just starting the message. The fifth pillar, this is cool, signs and wonders. What? Wait, wait a minute, the gospel ready. Wait, I got that, I can do that, I can study that. Yeah, the gospel ready, I can do that. I can do hospitality, I can try at least, I can get some little Caesars and bring it over, right? Okay, I can do, I can do the forgiveness, I can do those things. Signs and wonders, what? Oh yeah. Look at this, Acts 4, verse 29 through 30, again. Now, Lord, this is what we read at the beginning of the whole thing today. At the beginning of everything, we read this, and nobody threw a thought through this. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word, gospel ready, with great boldness. But watch what else they prayed for. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The disciples prayed consistently and constantly through the book of Acts for what? 
for the Lord to perform signs and wonders amongst them. A lot of you don't like that. Why? Because it puts you out on an island. It's not something that you can control. You can control your forgiveness, right? To some extent. Well, let me tell you something. Guys, I wouldn't preach it if it wasn't in there. Constantly, the Bible is saying this. The book of Acts is saying this. Lord, stretch out your hand through us. Hey, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. I don't know if this is going to work. Rise up and walk. You can do that. You guys are hating on it, aren't you? This is the fifth pillar, man. The fifth pillar to the gospel continuing in our world in the 21st century are things outside of our control that make people stop and go, that's a real God. Not a lot of amens. See, some people want to say this. Hey, listen, the the signs and wonders, those stopped. The purpose of signs and wonders in the gospel was so that um, the, the apostles' life and their work would be authenticated. Garbage. That's not true. Because if there's any generation of people that could authenticate Jesus Christ, it's the people that walked with him. So they didn't need to perform signs and wonders for people to go, yeah, I believe in that. They could go, dude, I walked with this guy, and one day this is what happened. By the way, I saw him on the cross. By the way, I saw this. I saw him put a man's ear back. They didn't need signs and wonders to authenticate that they were valuable to the kingdom of God. They can just say, I knew the man Jesus. Are you with me, guys? Because sometimes we get in this stupid thinking of where we take scripture and we go, I don't really like that. It doesn't fit with me. Signs and wonders, eh, let's put that out. I don't like that, guys. We're not allowed to do that. The book of Acts is for now. The New Testament is for now, unless there's another New, another new Testament. I, I don't see any. Signs and wonders in the book of Acts, listen. There's over 15 times in the book of Acts that signs and wonders are then followed by this. Addition and people getting saved. Did you hear what I said? Well, I don't like that. That that cheapens it. They need to just come based on their faith. I mean, again, you can say that, but I can say what I see. Over 15 times in the book of Acts, we see people coming to Jesus Christ and giving their heart and soul to them because of what was done in front of them. Okay, so Acts chapter 3, when he does say that, right, and you don't need to put that up. Uh, uh, remember, uh, Acts chapter 3, he does what he says right there to the lame man, and guess how many people come to, to the salvation? 2,000. Okay? Acts 39, 34, and 35. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. All. Why? Because a man that couldn't walk all of a sudden got up and walked. Are you with me, guys? Okay? In verse 40 and 42, this is Tabitha, right? Says this, Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Okay, turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows and presented to her, 
presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. People come to salvation when they see God move, when you speak, when you move, things change. What? What we seek and what we see. That's the song that we just did. Acts 5, verse 12 through 14. Here we go. It says this, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Why? Because signs and wonders. Well, pastor, I, I, I just, I, I think this is you're getting us a little bit too far. What I'd like to say about that, right, is, is I said this was a combo plate. That's the message. The ability to speak the word of God. The ability to show hospitality. To be able to extend forgiveness and to be integri- have integrity to your pain. And to have, look at me guys, and to have signs and wonders flowing out from you. I am going to tell you. If you want a soul harvest in America and in the whole world, it'll people that it will be somebody that looks at somebody and goes, that dude is not only powerful because of the things that he prays and sees come to pass, but it's also because of the fruit, the supernatural fruit that I see in his life. Because supernatural love changes people. Supernatural peace in the midst of the storm changes people, guys. So it's not just one or the other. It's all of them together. If the, if, the, if, if the disciples were doing signs and wonders and on Friday night, they're doing a, a beer pong, right? Or beer, right? They're doing whatever they're doing. No one's coming to the Lord. Their consistency and their character, what they devoted themselves to, what they were showing hospitality for. It's a combination of all these things. And I'm asking you to desire these things as much as I am. Okay? Why I don't, like, I don't like it that they're seeking signs and wonders. That just doesn't fit with me, my theology. Because then what happens is they're going to just start seeking it for the wrong reason. True. That is, that is actually true. Like there's, there's parts in the Bible, if you remember when Jesus was there, and the Pharisees walk up to him and they say, hey, we need a sign. And Jesus goes, no, the kingdom of God has not come through sign. It comes through your belief. Right? So what, what do you mean? What's the balance here, Jay? I guess what I would say is when Jesus responds to them, he calls them something very, very interesting, the Pharisees in that moment. He says this, you adulterous generation, right? Adulterous, what does that mean? It means two people that are together and one person leaves and goes out on them. So what's going on here? Well, the Pharisees we know had perfect in their conduct. We know the Pharisees knew the scripture. So when Jesus calls them adulterous, what's happening there? Because they walk up to Jesus and say, we want a sign. And he says, you're an adulterous generation. The reason why he's saying that is because something is going on there. There's an exchange happening there where they're saying this. Here's what we do. We live by the law. This is where we're going. We're not coming towards the new covenant at all, Jesus. But if you prove to us, we will. So what am, what am I trying to say there? I'm trying to say this, that if you're walking around and saying this, God, I'm only going to believe if you do something. Lord, I'm only going to turn my life over to you. This, uh, this malaise that I'm living in where I'm in the world, <clears throat> sorry, in the world on Tuesday through Friday, and then I'm going to come to you when I, when, only when I feel you, Lord. 
That's dangerous. That's seeking signs and wonders for a completely different reason. We will not do that in this church. We're not going to pray for somebody to get healed so we can go, come on, Pastor Jay is anointed. I don't care. We don't, that's not the purpose. The purpose of a sign and a wonder is so that what? People would not be in awe of Peter and John or Pastor Jay or Mick or whoever in this building. It's so that people will look to the Lord and go, I know this, that I was blind and now I see. That is the purpose of signs and wonders. I'm prepping this church. Trying to prep us, guys. I don't know how it's going to work out. In fact, I'm totally freaked out. (laughs) I just know I can preach this scripture and hope that this body responds in faith. And then one day we roll in here and we go, what just happened? Man, I so wish I could perform signs and wonders. I can't. Only God can. Well, how about, a, how about Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn is anointed for a certain reason. I'm anointed to teach this body. I'm anointed to pastor this body, to lead. And I'm anointed to expose the truth so that your giftings that you have might rise in you and actually things might change. Okay? It's getting really hot in here. I'm sweating and I'm feverish. And I want orange chicken. All right. <laughs> Let's finish. What I want to close with, Nick, come on up, is I want you to actually take these five things seriously. So, Gabe, I'm just looking at you, so I'm going to talk to you really quick. I want you to take these five pillars, right? Gospel ready. I want you to take forgiveness hospitality, signs and wonders, and integrity to your pain, brother. And I want you to go before the Lord in humility and and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where those are off. I'm just using Gabe because him and I are bros and I know his heart. See, that is the thing that is going to change our world. The combo plate. Not just one. Okay? You guys with me? Would you bow your heads?